0: Welcome to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time, Now let's get into it. Now, before we go into the episode, this is sponsored by the Audience Growth Ad Experiment. This is a free guide that I created to really help answer the question of where do I start when it comes to ads, especially around literally where to start. So what I've done is I've actually put to the test Pinterest, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram ads all in a way that has pretty much the same variables that I could to see which one's going to get you the most bang for your buck, which means the most amount of results, most amount of leads, and audience growth for the least amount of cost out of your budget or wallet. So I broke this down as best as I could. I made it super simple, but so, so, so helpful for those who are wanting to find out how to go about this, what were the actual results, which platform actually did come out on top, and where to start after that. So get your hands on that. It's going to be at danielclem.com slash ad experiment. Also in the show notes below, such a good place to start and also so helpful for those who were like me who wondered, okay, are Facebook ads still the best way to go? This will answer that for you. So I'll see you inside the experiment and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we have on Rachel Kate Albers, who is a business comedian and a successful branding and marketing agency that she runs along with being the host of the Awkward Marketing Podcast. She is here to really shed some light on how to not only do comedy and marketing, but really truly create binge-worthy content. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Why, thank you for having me, Danielle. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to get into this because I think for a lot of people, they wonder how they can, you always hear like putting more personality into your comp, like your actual content, but let alone, what about putting your own sense of humor, your comedy in there too, I think is going to be really amazing to talk about. But before we get started, I always love to go into kind of what led you going down this path. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey to kind of what got you started down this business path.
1: Well, I've been in the business 11 years.
0: And it it took me,
1: I would say, like probably seven or eight years before I kind of found my voice. And I think that this is the part of the uh, brand journey and the content journey that people don't talk about a lot. They make it seem like, oh, I just arrived with this really sizzling, sexy, binge-worthy brand, mm. and, you know, I think behind the scenes, a lot of people are throwing spaghetti at the wall until something sticks, um, and kind mm. of trying to find that resonance of, okay, within myself, when I'm sharing and I'm curating pieces of my personality and infusing them with my, into my brand, what resonates with me and feels good to me, thus being more sustainable long-term, Um, but then also what's resonating with the audience. So it took me some time to get there. And it was actually three years ago that I finally was like, oh gosh, I got to get on video. So I started just doing a weekly Facebook live show where I'd hop on and talk for 20 minutes about marketing. And, you know, as this went on, I just started playing with different fun, quirky, wacky approaches. So I did like a Facebook live musical and Mm -hmm. I would come on every week with like, you know, a funny costume or a different little bit that I would do at the very beginning. And all of those episodes performed so well that I kind of took that as a sign. Oh, wait, this comedy thing, bringing in humor, playing into the awkward, funny side of my personality is landing with my audience and it's resonating within me. Like, I feel good about this. And that's when I pivoted to creating Awkward Marketing, which is my business sketch comedy show um, that brings together sketch comedy and business and marketing lessons. And I like to say, I'm like the one woman SNL of business comedy, of biz TV. And, and but really it took a lot of content before that day happened and a lot of playing with my brand voice to really lock in to this unique approach. But that is the Cliff's Notes of how I got here today.
0: I, I think that's so interesting. Like what you mentioned is, how much time it can take for people to really find their true voice. Even I think for me, I find that there'll be certain times like a year from a year ago, I think I was a little more professional than I am now just because that's what you think you need to do. And then as you progressively go throughout your business, you're like, who actually am I? How do I actually speak and what feels right to me? And I think that's really what you're here to help people do is to not only be the example, but help them see that for themselves and see how they can find that out for themselves and realize that it takes time no matter what because at the end of the day we couldn't we didn't find what we love to do just by like one day so why do we think the same about our business voice our business personality and so forth exactly
1: baby and one thing i think when it comes to the personal brand element of things whether you've got like a lifestyle based brand and your brand is literally your name or you're a small business owner and you're essentially the spokesperson for your brand. Like you are with yours, Danielle is that there's this myth out there that with any sort of personal brand, you're essentially just taking your personality and putting it on the internet. And you know, like you said, that's not entirely true. When you first got started, you kind of took the most professional side of yourself Mm -hmm. and you put that on the internet. So Mm -hmm. you were curating a piece of your personality. You didn't put your whole personality out there. You put this one facet of it. Um, Now that Mm -hmm. turned out to, it sounds like not be the facet that resonated with you or your audience, right? So then you're just trying other aspects, but this is the thing I think a lot of people get wrong when they hear people talk about being yourself in your marketing or being authentic or whatever, you know, just be you Is I don't think that's entirely true. I think what you're doing is you're, as I said, curating these elements of your persona and finding out what resonates with you and also what's resonating with the audience. So it's not necessarily that you're just getting on and like airing all your dirty laundry or telling people all your secrets, which is a concern I hear with a lot of folks about being visible at all. They're like, well, I would love to be visible for my business, but I don't want to have to share what my toddler's doing every three hours or what I ate for lunch, and you don't have to do that.
0: So there you go. That's a really great point. And I, like you mentioned, for me, when I was doing more, I guess, professional voice of sorts. And by that, I mean, I wasn't cursing as much. I wasn't um, saying I love dad jokes. Like they are one of my favorite things. Um, (laughs) But I, I have like actual Instagram accounts that are followed just for dad jokes alone and also sarcasm. And it's one of those things where for a long time, I thought people just wanted the information from me or the how-to or the whatnot. And I realized a lot of people who work with me, especially one-to-one, they come to me for me. And I realized that if I stay in that professional voice or like that professional tone, I'm just going to keep attracting those type of people when in reality, literally yesterday I was on a podcast and wearing a Rolling Stones t-shirt because I wanted to. And like, I want to attract those same people versus just the, you know, being broad for the sake of trying to cast a wider net
1: exactly and like you were saying okay so if you're just focusing on creating how-to content or informational content you're essentially commodifying yourself right Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be someone else sharing that same information there's always going to be somebody else who can outdo you in terms of how much informational like you know info rich content can be created right But when you infuse your personality to it and you bring your own special flavor Now you have created your own snowflake brand that cannot be replicated, right? So that's one of the benefits to infusing personality into your content and into your brand voice, whether you are a personal brand or you run a company and you're creating a brand voice for the company that isn't necessarily for one specific person. Either way, personality is the way, you know, is is how you set yourself apart from the masses and also how you protect your business Mm -hmm. from... Anything that might come your way, like right now in the world, everything that's going on economically, things are unstable, right? And we don't know what the future is going to look like in three months, in six months, in nine months, in a year. And if you're just trading in info versus layering on top of that info your unique perspective and personality, well, you're always going to be at risk of somebody else coming in and other undercutting your pricing or just going harder and like you know more. You know, going harder than you're going. So infusing personality into your brand is how you future-proof your business.
0: So true, and I say this with like the utmost resonance because actually, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Now, like you mentioned, with the economy and how it's currently going, a lot of people are shifting to selling at least front-facing. They're they're selling a lot more of those lower ticket offers or um, trip wires or live workshops, whatever you whatever they're deciding to do, and. I've seen so many people who are ads people like me, you know, the traditional like do a workshop on how to create your first ad and sell it or how to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that sounds so boring. (laughs) Not that it's not helpful, but it sounds so boring to just regurgitate or redo a similar topic or similar area versus, okay, what actually would be fun for me to talk about, but still be uh, helpful for them because at the end of the day we're still here to like support our customers and support our people but I just I for me actually I just did a whole rant about this I think either yesterday or today talking about how I want to be the people who the person who actually shows you why the ads are working like shows you what's actually going about and like creating a more holistic experience versus just telling you why it's working
1: Yes. I love it. I think I was peeping on your Instagram for some of that for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think it was literally like yesterday I was talking about something like, um, which is actually great because you got one of my my funner posts around, I think I was talking about the reason why I created um, this recent freebie around like the ad experiment. I was testing LinkedIn, Pinterest, and Facebook and it was curiosity and what I called, I was partly being curious and partly wanting to be a shower, which is shower around that, but I made a little bit cheeky. And I think it's really interesting that what you do here is really help your people to find their own, not only their own voice, but like find their own target area in the industry. Like I used to say like my, your own little like piece of the internet space for you. So I'd love to chat with you and see when you have people who come to you and say, hey, okay, I know that I need to, again, become that future-proof business of myself versus just that commodity type or that regurgitation of sorts. Where do I really begin in infusing that and finding out what even that looks like for myself?
1: Yes. So I typically start with a process that I like to call reverse niching Mm. because a lot of people start with the question, well, who do you serve? And that's a great question. It's an important question. You need to be able to answer that question. But a lot of people struggle with that question. There's a lot of reasons for that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think in the back of a lot of our minds, we have this feeling like, well, couldn't everyone benefit from what I do? I feel like, you know, and so we get scared to niche down with our audience because we're afraid of pushing people away. We're afraid of pushing money away. That's how it feels. Mm -hmm. So instead of starting with the question, who do you serve or who do you want to work with? I like to start with the opposite of this. This is the crux of reverse niching, which is who will you absolutely positively never work with? And that question, I always get an answer in a heartbeat because people love to complain. It's a favorite pastime of most human beings. And so (laughs) being able to rant a little bit about who is not a good fit really helps us open up doors because when when you start riffing on that question, like you just said, you don't wanna work with people like, I think I saw on your Instagram, you don't want to work with people who just want a DIY ads course, yeah. right? Because it's not going to give them the hands-on personalized insights that they need, you know, da 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 You right. can keep going on that on, on that line. And so you start with the question of who do you not want to work with? Who will you absolutely positively never work with? And when you have a list of answers there, you start reverse engineering those answers. Well, what does that mean about the person you don't, or that you do want to work with, Right. And then you can go through a line of questions to do this activity. Like one of the things I love in terms of helping people find their kind of big, epic, unforgettable, binge-worthy content is asking them, what do you hate that people are doing in your industry right now? What just drives you nuts? And again, if I ask people this question, they're going to give me a laundry list. When you take that list and you reverse engineer it, you're able to shine a light on your brand values. And what you want to show, you know, what you want to stand for. So what a lot of people say when I ask them this question, is, what do you hate about your industry or what do you hate that other people are doing in your industry? Sometimes I'll get question answers like, well, it's just so boring, right? Like I'm working with somebody that helps people create, uh, do project management for tech expansion pro- uh, like expanding tech campuses for startups, right? Yeah. And when we talked about this question, she was like, gosh, everybody in this field is so dry. Anytime they do a seminar, it's just the worst, it's so boring. And so what we've just shown a light on with this question is, oh, one of your brand values is making things interesting and maybe even fun, right? You wanna be, it's important to you to show up in a way that is engaging and exciting and making otherwise boring content come to life. And there's lots of ways you can do that. But this is my, practice, this is my exercise I take people through to kind of get their wheels turning in terms of how do they want their brand to show up in the world, who's going to be the best fit for that message, and then some topics that can then become epic, unforgettable branding um, and content marketing topics.
0: That is amazing. And I think that's funny because actually earlier this year when people were actually doing, you know, the goal setting of 2020, when 2020 felt fine, (laughs) but basically there was a a goal setting exercise of for a lot of people who obviously say the words, I don't know what I want. Similar to that. I don't know who I want to serve. It's asking, okay, what do you not want in your business? What do you not want to have more of and reverse engineering from there? And same thing. I find that it's very, um, it's very easy for me to do that. It's because our our brains are naturally like negatively biased. So we go to the negative first anyway. So starting Mm -hmm. there, I think is so much more relevant and also just, resonates a lot more with people versus just like, okay, just come out of nowhere and figure out what you want. What do you, or who do you want to serve?
1: Exactly. And people ask me that question all the time. What do I want in my business? Mm. And I will say that part, so I love your approach to this. I haven't even thought about applying uh, this that way, but you know, part of the reason that I started my own business and then I continue to grow it is that I actually enjoy the mystery and the possibility that lies around any corner. I enjoy the fact that I'm in an industry that is growing and that is unprecedented, right? Like anybody who works in e-commerce, digital marketing, we are in the world in the in the wild wild west right now. Yeah. So part of why there's an attraction, part of the the intrigue of that, part of why we do this is because we like the unknown to a degree. We enjoy the the possibilities that we can't even quantify or define yet. So I love this idea of, I definitely don't know everything that I want in my business because I think it has yet to reveal itself in many ways, but I know what I don't want. I know that, right? So you're totally right about that.
0: Yeah, I find that especially for offers, like whenever I'm trying to either create a new offer or update one, I really try and dive in deep to this because it's really important for me at least to be lit up and excited about what I'm offering, even if it's free or paid. So that way it's coming across versus just doing it to do it. Because I think a lot of other entrepreneurs get stuck in that realm of like, oh, well, you know, my audience says they want this. So I guess I have to make it or this is what they think that they want. So I guess it has to happen versus what actually lights me up because enthusiasm or passion is going to be able to be shown so much more through your content than just be like actor participating.
1: Exactly totally
0: on the same page boo awesome okay so we talked a little bit obviously about where to start when it comes to thinking a little bit more about like topics all this kind of fun stuff but i really want to go into these last two pieces around when it comes to binge worthy content and this is actually a really good thing for you as well is you're obviously amazing on video and you really use that as part of how you showcase yourself to the world and i wonder when you start talking about like binge-worthy content. What is your definition of how you help your clients to create that when it comes to choosing the medium for themselves? Do you believe in only having one medium? What's your kind of like way in the world of how you identify binge-worthy content?
1: So what I like to say about binge-worthy content is Binge-worthy content helps you stop shouting so much in your your audience, being like, hey, hey, I've got something to say. Binge-worthy content is the difference between yelling, I've got something to say, and your audience leading in saying, what are they gonna say next? Mm -hmm. Binge-worthy content turns your audience into an extension of your marketing team so that they start becoming advertising for you in a way, right? Mm -hmm. It makes your marketing a runaway train. So that's, you know, what at its heart, what binge-worthy content is, but what actually is it though, RKA? So one of the things I like to talk about with binge-worthy content is binge-worthy content is based on a body of work. And it doesn't have to be one particular platform, but I think that there's so much of an emphasis on going viral these days. Everybody wants that little taste of virality. But the problem with going viral is, typically viral fame is 15 minutes of fame. You're reaching a massive audience, And the majority of that massive audience isn't going to be your ideal client, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas with binge-worthy content, you are attracting an audience that's going to come back again and again and again for more and more and more. It's going to be a smaller group of people, but a majority of those people, if you're doing it right, will be your ideal client. The only people who I've seen be able to parlay a viral moment into long-term binge-worthy success are those who have a body of work at the ready for when their moment comes, their viral moment comes, there's more content to be consumed, turning your viral moment from a novelty into you becoming your audience's obsession, right? So a lot of the times we put content out there and we're we're like disappointed if it doesn't land or we don't get all of the views or the, the page views or the listens or the downloads or the likes or the comments and we feel like failures but I always want you to be going back to this idea that it's you're building a body of work, baby. And the body of work serves you long-term so that when you do draw in that audience member who's like super obsessed with you and wants more, they have more to consume right away. Because we're living in the age of Netflix, right? Where people don't want to wait for their next piece of content anymore. If I find a show that I like most of the time, whether it's on my regular TV or it's on Netflix, or if it's on Amazon Prime, I can go and binge the entire rest of the series, or at least the next few episodes, right? Mm. Um, So yeah, I mean, we're in an age of instant gratification. We're in the age where, you know, our favorite entertainment sources offer us a body of work to binge. So if you're still using the old blockbuster way of doing things one at a time, slowly you're gonna lose right so the first foundational piece of binge-worthy content is having a body of work to binge you know what i'm saying
0: yeah that's a really amazing distinction that you mentioned around the viral piece versus the binge-worthy piece because i see this i mean like you mentioned with the shows like reality tv show people they get that small like high of virality for however long that shows on and then that huge influx of people and new followers all kind of stuff doesn't always mean that those people love them just means that they're in Mm -hmm. front of them on their screen right now but they don't have enough usually most of them don't really have enough of a like you said body of work or any content to really sustain that or have people remember them longer than a couple months
1: exactly I was just thinking about this with the love is blind people because I'm like gosh where are they now they're still trying I once in a while I follow all of them on Instagram and once in a while one of their posts will come up Um, But I'll tell you what, the ones who moved fast, the ones who moved quickly to create a body of work, because obviously in the case of Love is Blind, if you haven't seen that show, um, the cast members of of this reality dating show that was on Netflix, they were under strict orders. They could not reveal anything about their relationships or where they were at in life, like, you know, to a point until after the show aired. So they wouldn't have necessarily been able to create at least show relevant, like, you know, body of work. But the yeah. ones who did immediately, as soon as the show released, get on the content train and start creating a body of work, I think Lawrence and Cameron Speed come to mind, or Lawrence Speed and Cameron, what's his last name? I don't know. Everybody just don't knows know. Lawrence Speed. <laughs> <laughs> they started a YouTube channel right away and they started creating tons of content right away and they were ready with content to go pretty quickly, right? And so they yeah. took advantage of that moment, whereas the rest of them, I don't know what they're, I have no idea what they're up to, right? Because they didn't keep my, they didn't give me enough to keep me engaged
0: in their lives.
1: Uh, they didn't have that body of work. So, so wonderful. We're we're of the same mind, Danielle. We're both thinking of the same examples.
0: Oh yeah. And I literally watched that show and it came out too. So great, great example. Cause it's true. <laughs> I remember seeing when they started a YouTube channel, like that's really smart because people are going to be wondering, what are you doing throughout your day? Like they're, they're interested. So if you give them something that will pique their interest and keep it, you're going to set yourself apart. Same thing why I believe in doing like these type of podcasts or for you, like shows, something like that, that's consistent and just gives people more of that nurturing piece than just, you know, the social media posts or whatnot. That's, it's kind of like, that's kind of a, what's it called? An appetizer versus these are kind of the entrees. Exactly. Exactly. You're so right on. That's it. Awesome. So I think what's really cool about this too, is that right now we're in the age where people this is probably the most open people have been sharing of themselves or really sharing the facets of themselves in history when it comes to them like their personality to their preferences to everything around that and i think adding that in not only is something that you should think about more for business but also just for like you said future-proofing your actual self for years upon end and one of those things for most people is comedy, is having a sense of humor. And the great thing about comedy, usually, is you have your own type of humor yourself or your ideal client to do as well. So I'd love to hear your take on how not only you put in comedy into your marketing while still like creating that level of, what's it called, credibility or authority, and how people can really find out how to start finding their own pieces of humor or whatnot to put into their own business. Yeah, and I know,
1: I love that you bring this up because I think a lot of people have this mistaken idea that comedy uh, is an extra, it's a plus, it's a bonus, or it's only for certain types of brands. And I like to talk about with binge-worthy content, comedy as well as just entertainment value in general. So art and entertainment, infusing that into your content as i said a lot of people see that as a as a bonus as an extra as fluff as a nice to have instead of a need to have but yeah. i've to differ. um because if you look at oh, sorry I, I i'm sorry oh god there you go it's okay. I keep going. um i hear all these weird notifications in my ear i'm like what is going on right now i'm so sorry but if you lo- i mean human beings have used art and entertainment to communicate with each other and to make sense of and process their experiences and their experience of the world since the beginning of time. It -hmm. is a fundamental human way of self-expression and of survival, right? And, you know, especially what's gone on in 2020, all of the challenges we face as a human race, we've seen just how vital art and entertainment has been for our survival. Truly, truly. So, so, Um, What I like to say is, a lot of brands um, talk and pay lip service to the idea of human branding and and connection and empathy in your marketing. So, you know, we pay a lot of lip service to the to the idea of you know human connected branding and marketing and using empathy in our marketing, but then we leave art and entertainment and comedy off the table. And I would say that art, entertainment, comedy, humor are how we show love to our audiences. It is how we create human connected brands, right? Because art, entertainment, comedy, and humor are how humans communicate with each other. It's how humans make sense of the world around us. It's how we survive emotionally, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would say that art, entertainment, comedy, humor are, now you know, not everyone has to use comedy and humor, but some degree of artfulness to your content, I would say, is the centerpiece of having a human brand, of having a, a brand that actually connects to people. And you know, lots of people like to say, well, I'm not funny, RKA, so I can't do what you do. And I'm not suggesting that everybody go out there and don a thousand wigs and create ridiculous green screen videos in their basement, right? No, 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 no. But I would challenge anyone who says that they're not funny to observe themselves for a day, Observe the, you know, how they respond to a text from a friend, or if they're in the grocery store, which is, looks a little bit different these days, and so, something wacky or weird or just awkward happens, our tendency is to make a joke, is to make light of the situation, even if it's not a funny, ha-ha, stand-up comedy type of a joke. But our tendency is to go light. It's how we break tension. It's how we form bonds and connections with other people. Um, it's also, you know, at its highest level, humor and comedy help us break down complex concepts and make them easier to digest and easier to understand. So I would actually challenge anyone that says they're not funny to look at how much they use humor in their day-to-day communications. Yeah. In- infusing your marketing with humor doesn't mean that you're up on the stage with a mic like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, telling dad jokes for two hours, right? I know that might be your version, Danielle, you like a good dad joke, but- um, it's what I like to say is it's all about lightness, right? Yeah. Sprinkling lightness throughout your communications, and just that right there has such a powerful effect. A powerful because, like you said, the old school way of doing things, the blockbuster way, if you will, um, is to use kind of formal, buttoned-up language, not yeah. to use, not to swear, or not to use contractions even, or not to use slang, or just to be. Kind of stuffy in our messaging brochure written language is like what i like to call it but mm-hmm. that's not how people communicate and and today's consumer today's human has no patience for that because of the age of binge-worthy content because of what the internet has done for communications right we don't want to be spoken to like we're a giant glob of people anymore and we don't need you to speak to us like you've got a suit and tie on and like your tie is so tight, you can barely breathe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I would suggest that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, laying on the jokes, but it can just be infusing your language with a little bit more lightness. can make such a big difference in terms of your brand voice and also just making a connection with your audience.
0: I fully agree. And I think that it's funny because actually I actually was on a podcast yesterday with a person who does um, email copy, but it's story-based. It's a lot more casual. And it's just a really, he was really good at how he talked about it. But I asked him because he's getting more on LinkedIn and I'm wanting to go on there as well. I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm really right for LinkedIn for writing posts or know what to do because on social media, like LinkedIn or sorry, on Facebook or Instagram, I write, I write rather informally. Like I use the contractions. I'll use things like, yeah, or whatever I feel like Mm -hmm. using. And sometimes Mm -hmm. jokes here and there. And I thought it was, Oh well, LinkedIn's supposed to be more professional. I have to like kind of censor part of myself to really be on there. And he's like, "No, actually, you would do really well because of that reason because it's pattern interrupting." Exactly. Yeah, I found actually that LinkedIn needs is like hungry,
1: thirsty for fun, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: Um, And and also we're rewriting the rules about what it looks what it means to be a professional. I think you know in the coming years we're going to see more jobs are going remote. The office yep. workplace culture, the culture of the suit and tie is going by the wayside. You know, I think, you know, we're going to have millions of women all over the world throwing up their pantyhose because they don't <laughs> need it anymore. Um, we're, we're changing what we're, we're rewriting the definition of professionalism. And I think professionalism in, in 2020 and beyond is um, a lot more of a human way of relating to each other versus putting on some weird stuffy buttoned up act that I don't know when anybody ever agreed to that, why that was the best way, right? Because that's just uncomfortable. But I think finally, we're seeing a massive sea change and it's fun to be part of the wave. So come on LinkedIn, It's it's a lot of fun over there.
0: Yeah, and I love that too, because it's really helping people to reframe how they see not only LinkedIn, but the marketing landscape itself and how they can really participate in it. And I think that really comes from allowing yourself to start with asking those questions that we mentioned before around reverse niching, and even more so is to like really starting to create content based on obviously what's going to be helpful to your people, but at the end of the day, it's, I find, and you can probably agree with me here too, the most engagement that I get on anything is, like, hyper-personal stuff, like, it could be, um, last week, I convinced my partner to let me paint an accent wall (laughs) in the guest room, and I got so many, like, poll yeses or nos, or, like, Mm -hmm. comments here and there, because they were sharing their experience, or they were curious about how it's going to go, or my Spotify playlist, like, those things find the most engagement from there, and that's when, right after that, layering in those helpful pieces, those informational-based pieces, will land so much more.
1: Exactly!
0: Love that. Okay. One last question, because I think it's going to be really curious for some of my audience people who are on here around this comedy piece. They're going to probably think, okay, first you address the not funny, which is really great. Second thing they're probably going to say is, well, I don't know if people will get my funny, or I don't know if my funny is like going to be well-received through business. Like Some people who have dirty humor or whatnot, not sure if they can like add that in or if their clients will see them in the right light or understand it.
1: Yeah. So I'm always about... You know, testing your ideas and and starting dirty, starting messy. That's my whole thing. So before I invested time, energy, money, production, team members into creating um, a more highly produced show, which is what I have now, as I told you, I started off with a 20-minute a week Facebook live show where I tested content and I tested approaches. And validated that my audience was down with this way of doing things, and also not just validated it, but through the back and forth with my audience, really leaned into the pieces that they liked best, right? Because it's always the pull in, it's always about what resonates with me and with my audience. And so what I see a lot of the times, because I'm in, you know, I run a branding and marketing and web design agency. People want to come to me, and they're going to dump their whole budget into a theory of what they think and hope will work that they have not tested yet. Mm-hmm. And then they do that and it doesn't work like they thought that it would and they've just dumped all their money into it, right? And, and they've put all this time and energy into it and now they're deflated. So I'm all about starting dirty, starting rough, um, starting at the lowest viable option that you can, um, You know, not investing a ton of time into production, into to like refining and polishing and just getting visible and seeing what works. And one way that I do this is, um, I consider my all my social posts and my stories on different platforms to be um, the testing ground for more highly developed content. So when mm-hmm. I have a piece of content, like if I have a caption that goes does really well on LinkedIn or Instagram, um, then I know, well, I should probably turn this into a more highly produced video that's gonna get more traction in an evergreen way, right? I know enough about the reaction from this low polished version to feel confident investing in the higher version, right? And that's how I come up with my offerings. That's how I come up with my keynote speeches is by first doing like the roughest, dirtiest version of something, making sure it's landing and it's resonating and then upping the ante. So that's what I would say for anybody who's in any type of content, but especially with the humor and the comedy piece, try it out, get comfortable with it right get comfortable using it feel into whether you know you might think hey i want a type of brand where i tell dirty jokes all the time that's me and hey i support it theoretically but then you go out there and you start doing it and you realize well gosh i don't have that many dirty jokes to tell i'm kind of running out of material and i've only done a couple things or or you get the a bad response for your audience right um yeah. so i'm all about like start dirty start rough see what lands it's going to save you a lot of time a lot of money a lot of heartache uh, and then, you know, invest once you've gotten that validation. The thing I want people to think about is this. Content marketing is, a, is not a monologue. It's a dance, right? So a lot of people go out there just screaming at their audiences. They are not paying attention to the response. But true branding and, and marketing is all about being in dialogue with your audience. And how you do that is by putting content out there and then truly absorbing the response. Not shutting people out or, or ignoring it and moving on to the next thing. And that's going to give you all the information you need to see, should I double down on this or should I pivot into another direction, right?
0: Yeah, that's a really great piece. And that's essentially what I finally started to do for my own business and realize that's what I was doing because for so long, I was just, for content at least, throwing things at the wall or taking things that I thought would work well, which some of them did. (laughs) But at the end of the day, same thing why I did my ad experiment is because I'm just genuinely curious. And I think if you can really put on that hat for yourself of when you're creating content, be genuinely curious versus like over attached to what's gonna happen. You're gonna see so much more of a result for yourself and also then know where to keep growing, what to expand on because your people are telling you through their clicks, through their comments, whatever it might be for you. Yes, this
1: is it. You know, you and me, we should take the show on the road. We're a perfect team. We have the same mind
0: exactly and you have a lot more of a great voice for this so it works out
1: well dream team yeah you can do all the ads baby i'll let you do that that's that's perfect let's
0: go so down okay so one last thing i love to do with my guests during um kind of like wrapping up the podcast is kind of giving you what i call a rapid fire round which is like about four or five questions to help the audience learn a little bit more about you just kind of like what's the favorite book you have currently been reading all the kind of fun stuff and to allow them to see a little bit more about you so question is are you ready
1: I am ready
0: cool okay first question is favorite book you've ever read or currently reading currently reading the middle finger project
1: by ash amber Jay. I feel like it's so so totally on brand for our conversation right now absolutely
0: i've heard of that actually i don't think i've read it yet but i definitely have heard of the title
1: Buy it immediately as we get off the phone. Do it okay. and thank me later.
0: I trust your, I trust your gut for this one. <laughs> okay, second question. What is your favorite word or phrase that you use daily? Ooh, this one's tough. Favorite word or phrase that I use daily? I, you know, yes.
1: That's so <laughs> basic of me. I've never been more PSL, Ugg boot wearing basic, but I, you know what? We all got a basic girl with You know what I'm saying?
0: We do. Ironically, even though I worked prior to business owning, I think two jobs before that, I was a Starbucks barista. And even though it was very, very basic, I still could not get with PSL, mainly mainly because I knew what was in it, (laughs) but I totally understand.
1: You know, I'm just not a pumpkin spice girl. I'm like an apple spice girl. Give me a cider all day, every day. That's what I'm excited for when
0: September rolls around. Literally bought like cider two days ago. So I completely agree.
1: <laughs> oh, I know it. We are best friends. We are sisters from another mister.
0: A hundred percent. Okay. This is one of my favorite questions actually, which is, what is something you're not very good at or working to get better at? Lis- uh, listening. To- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what can I be? I'm learning to be a better listener. This is, now I'm getting vulnerable here, Danielle. Let's move on to the next question.
0: (laughs) What is one characteristic that you believe every entrepreneur needs to have? Um, the desire to fail. Mm, That's, that's a, that's a quote card. That is something that you need to put on something. I'm putting love it. Okay. So last question, which is honestly my absolute favorite, which is what does success look like to you in your own eyes? You know, success
1: to me is going to look like being able to provide, you know, I'm 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 a, a sole breadwinner, in my family, my dad, my husband's a stay-at-home dad. Um, I've got a little girl and I think to be honest with you, being able to provide a comfortable life for my family and a comfortable retirement for myself, that is success to me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk about all of the other metrics and the career goals that I have for myself, although I kind of feel like I'm already living them in that particular way but um you know at the end of the day i i want to provide for my family and i'm doing that right but i think the question is i'm 11 years in will i be able to provide myself a comfortable retirement mm-hmm. if i can do that for myself i will feel extremely successful
0: i love that and that's a really valid question to ask honestly okay now that we went through so many good topics like really i believe this is one of my like more favorite episodes guest wise that I've had on because it's not only helping people see that it's not just always about algorithms or formulas or whatnot, but really helping showcase yourself. Speaking of that, I would love to hear for my audience who's like, I need more Rachel in my life. What can they, where can they find you at? And what are some current things you're working on to give the audience a little taste on what they can look out for?
1: Well, you gotta head over to awkwardmarketing.tv Yeah. And binge the whole, uh, there's, there's so much there for you to binge. You're going to enjoy yourself over there. You can also go to rkaink.com slash niche slash niche. So it's rkaink.com slash niche. And that's where you're going to find my reverse niching guide and a super fun Maury Povich themed episode of awkward marketing. So if you want to start unsolved, like solving Your reverse niching and finding your way into your binge-worthy content. This is where you got to start. And, you know, I'm in the middle of a rebrand right now. I've got some wild things on the way. So keep your finger on the pulse of all things RKA and awkward marketing, uh, and you won't regret it.
0: I cannot wait because this, this is this is the current brand of you it's just going to be an amazing up level for sure and for everyone who wants all the links and all the kind of good stuff I'll be putting all of her social media and all the links she mentioned there down in the show notes so you can find her there I really recommend you go do that because as you can already hear not only you're going to learn something but you're going to actually enjoy doing it which is pretty rare to find nowadays <laughs> all right and for those who are wondering make sure to go check all the links down below Rachel is going to be your go-to person to really help you not only learn something but actually enjoy it which is pretty hard to find so I want to say thank you so much Rachel for coming on the show for sharing your knowledge and your personality obviously and just for being here thank you so much thank you thank you and everyone I'll talk to you guys all in the next episode bye guys you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to danielleclem.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase and launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at Andrea Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.